Hello, everyone, and welcome to Placing Faces, the show where we sit down with some of the most influential casting directors in all of Hollywood and across the entertainment spectrum. I'm your host, Charlie Chapel, and today we're sitting down with casting director Lisa London. Lisa is an enthusiastic advocate for actors, and it's no wonder with her upbringing as a Hollywood local and industry native. She's got some great advice for both actors and casting hopefuls, a book that we'll definitely talk about and you should definitely read, and an air of optimism that is frankly infectious and much needed in this world right now. Lisa has worked on several of Adam Sandler and his company Happy Madison's movies, including Grandma's Boy, Sandy Wexler, and House Bunny, as well as several shows that either you or your kids might be familiar with, from Hannah Montana to The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody to Super Ninjas. She has some great stories about the people she's cast and how these projects came together. So instead of taking up much more of your time introducing her, I'll let her tell you about it. Please enjoy, and I hope that you learn as much as I did. Thank you so much for taking the time to come talk with us today. I yeah. really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm um, excited. <laughs> yeah, great. I'm glad to hear that. It's good to have excited people on the show. Yes. So there are all sorts of interviews with you online. I want to start at the beginning where all good stories start. <laughs> you are from a Hollywood family. Yes, I grew up, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. And, and two of your father was a director, famously yeah. shot on, or directed all sorts of TV shows from Shogun to Brady Hogan's Bunch. Heroes yeah. to just all sorts of really great television. Yeah, my dad was, the, you know, the one of those iconic directors, 70s, 80s, 90s, and directed all those television shows. And um, Brady Bunch, Rocker Files, Kojak, Six Million Dollar Man, you know. And then he directed miniseries, you know, and he directed Shogun and all these really good chiefs and you know ellis island and with like richard burton and faye dunaway mm -hmm. and you know chiefs was with danny glover's first gig and um all these uh, charlton heston and so my dad worked with like 25 academy award winners over his career and so i grew up on sets you know so he you, it was take your daughter to work day all the time and you got to just go <laughs> experience much. like i go i'd say to my friends you know they go what are you doing today i go oh i'm uh, going to the set you want to come with me let's go hang out on at the partridge family and, and they'd be like okay you know and it was just <laughs> part of my life it wasn't like some it was just part of my life it was what i did you know and so i was always very much uh, talking to actors Okay. So um, so early exposure yeah. to what you would ultimately be doing in life. Yeah, totally. But I didn't know that yet. No. I didn't know I I didn't know I was going to get into casting. I had no idea. I don't even think I knew what that was when I was okay. you know younger. Did you know you wanted to be a part of the industry? Yes. You did. I, I for sure knew I was going to be in show business because I liked it. Okay. I, mean, I loved going to sets. I loved hanging out mm -hmm. with my dad. I loved talking to actors. <laughs> I got to say I'm jealous. Like that's that sounds like a great upbringing. I yeah. come from Northwest Arkansas. It was cows all the time and instead like <laughs> You got to be on all of these amazing sets. Yeah, you know, it's a funny thing, though, I have to say, because it wasn't until later when I wrote my book, which we'll talk about, and I started speaking, and I started talking to actors and parents and different people, and I said, people would ask me, well, how did you get started, and what happened, how did you get into show business, and I started telling my story, and parents would come up to me, or people would come up to me and say, oh my God, that is so cool what you did, and that was the moment that I realized oh my god that was my path that was my journey of how I ended up in show business like it wasn't something that I predicted wasn't something I thought oh yeah I knew I'd get in show business but I didn't know I'd end up in casting okay do you see what I'm saying yeah so it, it was interesting for me so you never even really knew you were on the path until you looked back yeah, and like saw the path. yeah, it's an interesting thing for me because I always knew I'd be in show business, and I'd always knew I thought I'd produce. That's what I thought I would do. Okay. And the way I ended up in casting is my I spent a lot of my summers during college, um, being a production assistant on sets with my dad. 
And so I worked as a PA. So I knew a lot about the ins and outs of making television shows because I was on a set all the time, right? And then one, when I graduated college, my dad had me uh, work on a production. I sat in the casting sessions. He let me sit in with the casting directors, who at the time were Lynn Stallmaster or Tony Howard, who were huge. He had a huge, they had a huge company, right? And um, they asked me what I thought when I was in these casting sessions. and Awesome. Yeah. and So you got to be a part of the process, not just watch the process. Right, I got to be a part, and I had a lot of opinions. You know how you are. <laughs> in your 20s, you got a lot of opinions, and I had them. And I spoke up and said, oh, I like this guy. He's good. Uh-uh. Uh, yeah, he's funny. No, I don't think she's funny. No, that's not going to happen. And, you know, it was really funny, and three months later, they offered me a job. And What did that job end up being? A casting assistant. Okay. So that was your foray into that world, and that was the bug. Well, that was how I got into being into casting, right? And then when I got in, and I worked for Lynn Stallmester and Tony Howard and where I started, and that was the moment where I realized, that was my first moment that I realized, oh, this makes sense to me because I always liked actors, <laughs> always talked to actors, I was always interested in actors' journey, and I also, um, my, the other thing that I thought was quite funny is that I, when I was in, younger, I always read magazines and tore out articles about actors. As like just oh. ones that stood out to you, yeah. And, yeah. and so when I got in casting, I said, "Oh, this kind of makes sense." <laughs> <laughs> you were always tracking actors. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So with with your early life, I mean, I've, in some of these other interviews that we're going to link to all of them, right? Um, you talked about just growing up and traveling all around, experiencing these film sets. What kind of insights do you think you had from an early age that people? who, like me, later in life came to the industry, don't necessarily get without having been here for a while or right. having another generation above them who, who was has in gone the through business. it. Yeah. You know, I would say probably my biggest insight is I got to watch a lot of how productions were being made. So I be being on a set, even going to the sets, hanging out with my dad and watching that's an education in itself. You know, just being able to observe and watch you learn, right? Mm -hmm. But I was a girl who always asked a lot of questions. (laughs) And so I was interested, well, how does that work? And I would talk to the camera guys, I remember, and say, how do do you do that? And what, how do you focus this? You know, I was always curious. And so I feel that that whole, A, gave me a really good rounded education in terms of being on sets, because what happened when I got into casting, I really understood production so I understand a lot of the elements that goes into making a project not just the hiring of actors but you have to know how to you know make the deals and how do you read the day out of days and how do you figure out when people are working and when there's conflicts how do you handle them so I got a really good education from that and I also learned a lot of you know tips from my dad (laughs) I was gonna say like what are some of the are there any uh, bits of wisdom that he gave you along the way to, to help form your Yeah, insight? I mean, for sure. You know, I mean, there's some funny, there was a funny story, you know, like, I don't know, I guess I could tell this, but when I worked on a movie of the week that my dad did called Father Figure that Timothy Hutton starred in. Okay. And he, it was when he was nominated for an Academy Award, mm-hmm. right? And I um, was, the PA and I had to go to the sets and get the, you know, take, when I was on the set, I would go to the trailers and have to get them out of their trailer to come to the, you know, on set, right? And my, I had a little bit of a, you know, I was in my 20s, this little pompous, whatever, you know, a little bit. And I remember when I went to the trailer to ask him to come out, he was like, well, is the other actress out yet, Cassie? And I was like, no. And I go, but they asked you to come out. And he goes, well, I'm not coming yet until she's ready. And I got a little attitude I will say, you know, because it was my job, right? Mm-hmm. So I got a little <laughs> smarty, smart aleck, right? Anyways, and, you know, he didn't approve appreciate it, which he was right, right? And so he, I guess, I didn't say anything, right, to my dad or anything, but he must have said something. And so my dad pulled me aside and he said, Lisa, he said, you know, listen, 
you have to treat the actors all the time like really with respect and handle them like really like kind and everything because you want to always get the best performance out of them and I said okay dad I get it you know and I mean he said but I'm proud of you you know because I kind of stuck up for myself right you know but anyway so one of the lessons that my dad really did teach me is just about you know understanding the actor's plight and being able to help them and guide them and give them the most encouragement that you can so you get the best performance out of them. How does that inform how you run a casting session? The same way, because I am one of those casting directors. I love actors. I am always trying to help actors. So when you come in and I will give you notes or tweak your audition or try to help you or find out what's happening with you, (laughs) you know, so I, it's who I am. It's part of my nature when you're in my office, you know? Yeah, that's great because sometimes it feels like you know, when you're an actor, you walk into a casting session, you may not feel like a casting director is on your side. Totally. But the more and more I do this, the more conversations I have, every single casting director is on your side. They want you to, they, they want to knock it out. They want to get this job done. Absolutely. And they want you to be able to come in, do the performance and yeah. be great. Absolutely. Yeah. That is totally what it's about. I mean, I when I cast somebody and they go on to be successful or they go on to be a star or I put together an amazing ensemble, I'm like a proud mom, you know. I'm excited about that. Yeah, <laughs> so, as you should be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the creative part about what you get to do. Yep, for and, sure. And that's it's it's wonderful to like hear these stories and to learn. Uh, a little bit more about that side of things than you know is is out there in the media. Yep, I totally. Yeah. Well, and the media tends to embellish the bad. Always, absolutely. <laughs> and so, I think that there's way more good than there is bad. Absolutely. People just like to embellish the bad. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what makes news, right? It sure does. <laughs> the negativity, the yeah. negative, that makes news. So I want to talk uh, early career stuff. Right. One of your first jobs as a casting director uh, was Falcon Crest. Yeah. (laughs) Which, uh, for those of you who don't know, it is uh, a soap opera. Right. Um, In the mid-80s, it it had a pretty long run. Yeah, it did. I forgot whether it was six years, seven, seven, eight years. It was 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 a very long run. Dallas and then Falcon Crest, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, So I want to talk about this one uh, and the idea of reps. And and what I mean by that is not representation, but the idea of reps or or repetitions at work and how those reps kind of help you get better at what you do. Mm -hmm. Because with this one, you were on, uh, this show's kind of a, uh, this show, this question is a two-parter. Okay. Um, You were on this show for two years. Right. And... You did something like fifty-six episodes over yeah. the course of these two years, yeah. which is a lot of totally like a, a lot of television. Yeah. Um, how formative do you think that these first couple of years were to you figuring out you as a casting director so early in your career? Um, for sure, I would say they were hugely formative. The thing about television when you're doing episodic like that, which there, as you know, in this day and age, we don't, they don't make as many 22, 24 episodes. No. There's not so many. The networks do some, but you know, mo- a lot of stuff's now on the cable or streaming and all those other channels and they do limited runs. Mm-hmm. So the thing about it that it teaches you when you're doing that is you have to produce uh, different actors and um, talent every seven days on a whatever it was seven or eight days on a one hour and if it's a half hour it's every five days so it teaches you how to be fast and how to be good <laughs> at the same time at the same time you learn how to read actors and you know find them and know be able to spot talent and do it quickly and do it efficiently and do it well And I feel for sure that helped me being in TV because I love doing television. I love doing movies, as we'll talk about. I've done a lot of movies, but it has taught me about being able to be fast. But it also teaches you, you know, there's always different things that occur and things that happen and last minute changes and this and that. So the problem solving aspect. The problem solving aspect I have learned really well. So it's very 
um, in this day and age, I don't get rattled about much. It could be two weeks before the movie's starting and the lead's not cast. And I'm like, okay, yep, next. Who's next? Who are we making an offer to next? Go. Like I'm very, I stay pretty calm because of it. Because you've taken your lumps. You've, you've seen the problems and you know sometimes it comes in yeah, at the last, at last minute, minute. And that's how it goes. you're going to make it happen no matter yeah. what. It, and that's and it, it was a great learning experience for me. I loved it. I loved doing it. We put, you know, so many people. Mershka Hardgate got her first uh-huh. job on there, and you know, and just so many actors get their starts in soap operas. I know, and sitcoms and things like that. That, yeah. that I think some actors um, and directors, producers, people in the industry kind of take those things for granted. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads into my second question about this is. The idea of reps for actors, because I know a lot of actors who have been on soap operas, who right. got their start on soap operas, yeah. and it's reps. Like, you're going in, you're going to have to memorize yep. 10 pages of dialogue every single day yeah. and just go, go, go. It is it is yeah. a lot of repetitions. Totally. So are, do you have any recommendations for actors who are, are trying to build their career in terms of getting those reps in the repetition of it you know I would say my best advice for them is just if you're you know be in a class or do be in an acting class or whether you're first starting or out or even you've been doing it for a while it's also the thing about it that I like is you get to try different things. You get to experience different things. You get to try different roles, try different characters. You know, you're working with different people. And I feel like that's an important element as far as being an actor, whether you're first starting or you've been doing it a while because it keeps your chops fresh, you know? And when you get an opportunity, I always tell actors, if you get an opportunity to audition, no matter what it is for television or for a movie or for an independent or for a theater or for a soap opera, whatever it is, any chance you get to act is a great opportunity and you should take that chance to audition so and when you get on a show if you end up on a soap opera or you end up on a television show hopefully by the fact that you've been in class and you've been training and working on your craft you're going to be able to have the skill how to memorize your lines quickly and how to get it done and how to be able to go okay I know how to make my choices and I know how to do this and I know how to do it quickly and efficiently as possible Mm -hmm. so that would probably be what my advice is because I think training is important I think it's very important I've I've been training off and on for years when I'm not working I'm training when I am working um, training. Yeah. You're always trying to get better. And I think that that's very important. It's great advice. Yeah. Um, so I want to take a step sideways now and talk <laughs> a little bit about casting and to people who would like to get into casting. Right. Um, so one of your, I think it's actually on, on IMDb, it is your first credit, Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> The Mosquito Coast. Oh, yeah. Where you were, you're, uh, it's directed by Peter Weir based on a novel by Paul Thoreau, uh-huh. uh, based on a screenplay by Paul Schrader, starring Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren, River right. Phoenix. And you were credited as a casting apprentice under Diane Crittenden. Yeah. And I was really more an assistant. Okay. I don't know why. I'm not I sure. Got, why I was going to ask know, what I don't know why. Th- <laughs> I don't really ever know why they credited me like that. I'm not sure. I was more an assistant in LA and I set up all the sessions and had the actors come in okay. and did all that stuff. So I did kind of the. It was really an assistant job. I'm not well, sure. What I keyed on was the idea of a casting apprentice. And what it made me think of is the idea of apprenticeship, the idea right. of working under somebody who's been doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And you worked with multiple people in your early career to help you figure out how it worked. Are there any lessons that you learned early on that you still kind of think about from time to time that have helped informed how you Yeah, I mean, I think the best thing, if you get an opportunity to be an intern in a casting office, to be an assistant, whatever, whenever that opportunity arises, that's where you're going to really learn the ins and outs. You're not going to learn the ins and outs just by, okay, 
I'm going to go work in production. You want to learn how to be a casting director, you got to work in a casting office. So you see how that rolls. And I will say that, um, you know, interns, that's a great experience to work with casting directors. And we've had many of them in our office and had them do, you know, teaching them how to set up sessions, to te teaching them how to work the camera, to teaching them how to do the upload systems, you know, to setting up sessions. So it's a really good opportunity um, to learn about the process when you get that shot. The other thing, we've taken interns and moved them up into assistance. And then also um, the other situation is you got out my one piece of advice is if you really want to be in casting, you've got to have a knowledge, a base of actors. So you want to, okay. one of the things that I did very early on in my career is I went to a lot of theater and I went to a lot of showcases and I went to a lot of comedy things and I went out and I saw actors all over the place. And how are you tracking these actors? Are I you, kept a database. I kept you did. like, well, and that was probably, you know, before I all had a computer system. So I had files and files and files of <laughs> pictures and headshots and, uh, you know, um, you know, programs and highlighted programs. And I like this guy and this guy. And so when things would come up that I wanted to bring an actor, I go, oh, wait, I saw that great girl in a play. Uh, oh, I'm going to bring her in. I did that so many times. I can tell you like. We saw, um, I saw this girl in a play and I did a show on uh, Forget a Life on Fox, which was an iconic comedy with Chris Elliott. And I remember I saw this girl, Anastasia, in this play and I said, oh my God, she'd be so funny for this and brought her in. She got a job, you know? So yeah. that was some of the, my training was just to go out and see actors and start building your pace because, you know, finding leads is one thing, right? Getting leads in a movie. We're all looking for the leads to get your movies or television shows to go. It's what about all the supporting players? <laughs> Do you still keep your ear to the ground? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're, so you're still going out to theaters? Yeah, still? I still go to showcases. I just went, I go to a lot of those college showcases. I just went to a couple actually last week. I saw some really good people and I was like oh you'd be good for this you'd be good for this so I'm always doing that for okay. sure yeah it's important it's how you find new talent yeah. it's one of one of the ways you know what, what are I mean? some of the other ways to find new talent yeah. well if we're we did a lot I've done a lot a couple of big shows for Disney Channel, which I might be way jumping ahead here. Oh, but. we're going to get there for sure. <laughs> but we did searches across the country. You know, we've done searches. So when you do searches, sometimes we'll go, you go outside the box. You don't just go to agents and managers. We did a show for Nickelodeon called Super Ninjas, and they were looking for a 12, 13, 14-year-old boy who was Asian and really good at karate mm -hmm. and martial arts. Uh, how many of those are there around? <laughs> you know what I mean? So we put out notices into martial arts schools all over Los Angeles, outside the country. And the, we ended up finding a great kid out of L.A., never acted in his life out of a martial arts studio. And he... Was he just like a fish to water with when it came to the acting? But he had trained the karate. He had trained the martial arts. Martial arts. But he didn't know how to act. And okay. And in the period of time for like the six weeks we were working and still reading other people, because we were. It was also there was another guy that was up for the role who was more seasoned, who'd been on episodic shows. But we got him coaching. We got him training. We got him some improv. We got him coaching with an acting coach and kept bringing him back into the fold. What was it about him that made you? He had a certain charisma uh -huh. and a certain charm and a certain. That was just natural to him. Yeah. And he was very endearing, <laughs> you know, uh -huh. and that was part of what that character was. Okay. You know, he had an endearing side, but he had this other side that was the martial arts and the kind of the tough guy and the whole thing. And when we found him, we were like, oh, yeah, that's the guy. But then we have to, part of our job is convincing other people that's the guy. <laughs> and how much of that process is your job? Convincing? The actual convincing of. Oh, a huge part. <laughs> Nobody realizes that. No. Not even the directors or the producers oftentimes don't realize how much your work is in saying, yeah, this is the person. Right. And, and fighting it out. Totally. 
it, it's a it, listen as part of our job as casting directors when we find somebody we believe in we I'm very passionate you know and I'll do it tell. and I <laughs> and I'll do it in a way that's super passionate and nice and I'll try to get a producer, director, studio people to see the light. And, it, you know, sometimes it's great and it works. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I probably use the using the word fight it out is probably the wrong way to go mm. about it. Because it is, you know, this is a creative medium. Right. Everybody has opinions. Everybody has this feels right, that feels right. right. But ultimately it is a collaboration. And I think that that's... Yeah. Like you are one of the earliest collaborators who come onto a project and start shaping this ball of clay. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you have a really good relationship with your producers and directors and they trust you, hopefully they listen to you. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, when, um, you know, when we talk about Hannah Montana and when we found Miley, who had no experience and she had been on stage with her dad and. You know, that was a process. It was a process for that girl and how she got the well, job. Well, let's jump right into that. <laughs> we, might, we might as well, because that's certainly one of the things that I want to get into. Um, she's She was, uh, what, 12, 12 and a half years old Correct. at the time. Yep. You said she never, she had no experience. She had performed with her father, who On famously stage. Billy Ray Cyrus, yeah. Don't Break My Heart. I'm from <laughs> Achy, Arkansas. breaking heart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Grew up on that song. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was that process searching for her like? Because I know you've you've said in other interviews you guys saw thousands. Of yeah, we people. saw over. Listen, we saw over twelve hundred girls when we were casting Hannah Montana. This is before the age of like now, where you have the whole link system, right? Where you yeah. can just upload links and send it. This was in the era of VHSs. Okay, so you submitted tapes. Uh -huh. Okay, <laughs> tapes. You just had rooms full that, of tapes. We had tapes all over the place and <laughs> tapes that got passed and tapes that went here and Disney and everything. It was wild, right? But we saw over twelve hundred girls across the country, everywhere. You know, it wasn't just agents and managers. We put it out to singing schools and different play acting schools because that character was the normal, regular girl and then the superstar, right? So um, we got a tape of Miley's. She was from, you know, Tennessee, and we got a tape of her early and on. And my business partner and I, Catherine, we saw that tape and we said, oh, okay, that girl, there's something about her. And we gave some notes and had her retape, which she did retaped we sent it in showed it to producers and directors and then they're like yeah maybe but nobody was like jumping up and down yet right and so then the pro then the project went through a rewrite phase so we spent like two months seeing a bunch of girls miley's tape was in the first round right mm. and then how many people are in that first round oh i don't know we had seen hundreds at this yeah. point right hundreds mm -hmm. for sure then it went through a rewrite, and then it comes back for another couple of months. We see hundreds more because <laughs> in the end, we had a, a Bible of like over 1,200 girls, you know, of all the people we'd seen from all over the place. And then she came out to L.A. Miley came out to L.A. We worked with her. We saw her. We gave her some, you know, notes on it. And then we brought her in, and the producers and directors said, oh, yeah, there's something about her, you know. And I remember that I physically leaned my entire body across a conference table and I leaned fully across it looked straight into the producer's eyes and says that girl's gonna be a star mark my words <laughs> it was one of those moments right <laughs> and so they go okay Lisa you know and then anyways it was a process though it was like they said okay and then we kept seeing girls and we brought girls into Disney Channel and she was in the mix and then you know we kept bringing more girls and then we bring her back in and you know they were like yeah maybe but nobody was like oh my god yet yeah and so it was a process narrowed down narrowed down narrowed down and it kept it got smaller and smaller and smaller and we just kept throwing her in there and that was part of that convincing process. Yeah, and in a gentle, kind yeah. <laughs> yeah, way, you yeah. know what I mean? And the they, it wasn't that they, the producers, or they saw it. They said, oh, there's something about her. But, you know, and then you have a whole network and the channel, and they watched it. And There's a whole hierarchy yeah, that that has to sure. go through. And she, the girl that she was up against in the very end that was between two of them, she had been on a series, a successful series on a sitcom, so she already 
new comedy beats, right? Miley, that was something she had to learn, you know? Yeah, I mean, in your book, and which we're going to get to, I yeah. promise, okay. uh, you have a quote from Gary Marsh, who was the president of the Disney Channels Worldwide at the time, said, she was green as grass, but something was beaming through her eyes that made us feel like we have to take a shot. Right. Did anyone expect that show to become what it became i don't think so in the i this is what i think on that we brought up billy ray as an idea after miley got cast you did so it was Catherine and i we went to the mom and said what about billy and they said yeah that oh uh tish said yeah that might work we can move the whole family out here so we said okay and then she uh we kept bringing up billy to disney channel and that was a whole other process as we were reading dads and reading dads and kept bringing up billy and to the mix and you know I don't need to get into the whole whatever but it was wild and then Billy and Miley finally on the test day the day when we bring the actors in to read a chemistry read with her he came in and him and her they did a little like song together but they didn't have it prepared because they didn't even know a song to sing together like it wasn't like they had something prepared and Mm -hmm then everybody saw the magic. So at that moment, maybe, but I don't know that you 100% know what's going to become a phenomenon until it becomes a phenomenon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you don't know in this business what's going to become hugely successful. So they go, wow, this really works. And they saw the magic there and they go, this is a great combination, the two of them, that could be really cool. And then voila it was the one of disney channel's hugest hits yeah yeah with with these kinds of shows are there is there any advice that you can give and and i know there is in your book which we'll get to shortly but is there any advice uh that you have for kids to prepare for these kinds of of shows and these kinds of auditions because there's singing, there's dancing, there's, yeah. it's, a, it's a whole different thing than, you know, going in for CSI or for. Right. Well, th- the main thing is if you want to be on a, on a Disney channel, you want to be on Nickelodeon, you want to do even, you know, um, Netflix now, Amazon, you know, they all have their own bent, but I think it's best for kids especially to be well-rounded you know why not be triple threats why not sing why not dance why not act you should be able to do all three and I tell anybody that you know any kids because when I teach around the country I've taught for kids and I've taught adults and I try to help actors you know that's why I do that and inspire them to you know how to help them to come out of it so they feel more confident in their auditioning and uh, parents and people always ask me well my daughter likes to sing and dance and act I go great she should do it all because you never know when that job's going to come up and they go can you sing and you go yeah I can Mm -hmm. (laughs) or can you can you even for kids boys can you sing can you are you can you are you an amazing baseball player whatever you don't know what opportunity is going to happen for you Mm -hmm. so I say do it all as many things as you can get your hands in yeah the things that you love and that you love to do yeah you know yeah for sure uh so we've been talking about the book let's go ahead and jump into it (laughs) Uh, the book's name is from start to stardom the casting director's guide for aspiring actors right um it is a really great guide from A to Z. You talk about everything. Right. You talk about, uh, you know, if you're if you're just getting started or if you're looking to make your next big push as a performer, there are examples of what makes a good headshot. There are uh, breakdowns of preparation and audition questions that you should be asking yourself as far as that preparation. Even a chapter on what's actually going on behind the scenes of casting director stores, which I think is hyper important right to know what you're getting yourself into because yeah actors uh, even me before coming into this show it's a it's a black box of a room you go in you do your thing you leave actors don't really know what's going on before or after they leave which is one of the reasons we started this show is to figure that out (laughs) yeah for sure but you you've hit it in there um one thing that i specifically keyed in towards the end of the book is this whole segment on persistence mm-hmm. and you talk about persistence a lot right. which i think is very important in this industry um it can be a beast to tame out here totally there are a lot of people who want to do this mm-hmm. and and 
if you know nothing about coming in, it's it's a well a well known idea that persistence breeds success. Right. But I'm not sure a lot of people understand what persistence costs out mm-hmm. here. So, in terms of those costs, what do you think are are some of the things that people need to be willing to pay to persist? in this business you mean cost in terms of like taking classes or or not necessarily the actual cost of the class but like what sort of things should you be willing to either forego or put yourself through right because this industry can beat you down sometimes and i think having an idea having a better idea of what you're in for Mm -hmm. makes those difficulties easier to bear yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, I feel that it's really important in terms of the persistence and that whole idea is, look, if this is as an actor, it's your dream and it's your passion and this is what you want to do more than anything else. doesn't matter what age. I don't care if you're 10, 8, 17, 85. I don't care. You know, if it's your dream, your passion, right? You go for it. What do you, you know, you have to be willing to, do whatever it takes and do whatever it takes though uh, and persist your dream whether it's be in class whether it's you're out there creating your own content which there's lots of, you can do that in this day and age yeah, you can you know you got an I iphone mean? go make you a got, thing. go sh- make a short film shoot a scene do there, write a spec pilot i'm working with a, a director and a producer who i an actress i know who i did a movie for and they're doing a spec pilot and they you know making it for like twenty five thousand dollars and said will you help us cast it and i'm like yeah i'll help you guys do it i mean you have to just pursue whatever avenue you want to make it happen and you cannot sit around (laughs) waiting for the phone to ring you can't sit around saying oh i didn't get any auditions today you are in charge of your career you're in the driver's seat and you have to make it happen and I think what occurs why a lot of people come out with this stars in their eyes to la la land Uh is because there's rejection you you don't get that agent you don't get that manager you don't get that part you you whatever happens it you might not get it so the rejection comes at you and hits you enough times what do you do you give up so that's what you the cost to me is about is even when these things happen, these barriers as I'll call them, and they come in and they say, nope, you're not, nope, that agent's not happening. No, that manager's not happening. No, that door's shut. No, we are not interested in meeting you. No, you have to be willing to push through it. And that's what is the most important thing about perseverance to me. You got to push through the barriers to get to the goal, mm-hmm. to get to the dream and whatever that takes. Because if it's really your dream, you're not going to give up. I absolutely agree. I love that. <laughs> That's great. Um, another thing that I keyed in on your book yes. um, is is the idea that the first good role you get probably mm-hmm. won't make or break you. Right. But you need to be ready mm-hmm. for that opportunity and right. ready to build off of that. Um, do you have any sage advice to people out there who are maybe they have one big credit or they shot a credit and they're waiting for that thing to come out? What can they be doing in the meantime to get ready for that and to be ready to make as big a deal out of it and and build as much as they can off of that one credit to turn that into a second credit to turn that into a career that can last the rest of their lives right well first off what i would say is while you're waiting for that project or that television show or that movie to hit the theaters or to come out don't wait you're not sitting waiting that's number one Mm -hmm. you're creating the next opportunity even though maybe that movie's not out or that television show hasn't aired you can still use it you can still use it as, you know, a calling card. You can say, I just shot this movie. You can say, I just did this television pilot. I'm waiting to see if it gets picked up. You keep going. You don't wait, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we're in the day and age of social media, right? So you can, can promote that you did this thing. There's obviously every production has its own rules on when you can say, I'm cast in this thing, or I'm, you can't post pictures about being on the set until this time period so you have to adhere to those things 
but it doesn't mean you can't be building up your social media, which, you know, in this day and age, unfortunately, that's part of what it's about. It is. You know, as yeah. actors, as uh, casting, everything, you're all, we've been asked, well, what's their social media following? You know, I always believe talent comes first. But I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't been asked, what's their social media following? <laughs> you know, what's their... the reality I, of the situation. Yeah, what's the Twitter? What's the Instagram? What's their, you know, YouTube followers? Whatever it is. So you guys are responsible for building that up, yeah. you know? Mm. But I would never tell an actor to wait. You know what I mean? I wouldn't say wait till it hits. I'd say take that momentum, take that project you just did, and creative, I think. Get, get other auditions. Oh, he was just the lead in this movie. He was just the supporting role in this pilot. You know, sometimes um, you probably won't get a clip of it till it comes out. But you certainly can talk about it yeah. <laughs> to other people and keep using it. I mean, we did a movie recently called Freaks, which is a sci-fi psychological thriller that got into the Toronto Film Festival. We cast it last year, got into the Toronto Film Festival, got picked up uh, for distribution. It's not coming out until next year in May or September. I'm not sure exactly when. And, um, you know, we're, we have a little trailer for it, and we're using that for ourselves to promote to get other producers and directors to hire us as casting directors. Mm -hmm. So I'm just giving that as an example because as an independent casting director, it's like being an actor in the terms of we have to promote to get our next gig. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we're not waiting till it comes out and hopefully becomes a huge success. We're going to take what we have right now and promote it and use it. Yeah. Well, you have a long-term partnership with uh, and you, you've mentioned her name a couple times, Catherine Stroud, right? Who was actually an assistant on Leprechaun with you, yeah. And then she became your partner later on in your career, yeah. Um, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, y'all were both casting directors on Malcolm and Eddie's pilot. That was the first time you worked as casting directors together. Yeah, that's true. When did you guys actually partner up? Was that that project? Well, here's what happened. I was casting, right? I was a casting director and I was looking for an assistant and a friend of mine recommended Catherine to me. So we, as she said, she had come from Toronto in children's theater and directing and she was in LA. And she said, I said, do you want to get into casting? And she said, yeah, sure. So she worked for me and she was my assistant and I kind of showed her the ropes and trained her on uh, how it works. And then I was was pregnant with my son and I um, took a break for a while and she went off to work at Paramount and she worked over there as an assistant for Deborah Quillen features and stuff and so then after I had my son and I was ready to go back to work I she'd work for me I forget if it was like a year and a half or two years and then I said hey um, what do you want to do now do you want to stay there or what do you want to do and she goes no let's partner up so we partnered up and <laughs> that's how it happened I mean okay. we're kind of we've been together I don't know what it is now 20 23, 24 years. I don't know. It's crazy, but we're like, you know, it's almost like a marriage. She's married, <laughs> uh, you know, it, but I'm saying it's almost like a marriage when you're with somebody that long. Yeah. But we work really well together and we have really good, um, you know, our tastes complement each other. Mm -hmm. And that's what's kind of nice when you have a partner because you get two different viewpoints, but our viewpoints work well together. So. Uh, and expand on that. What do you mean they complement one another? It's not necessarily that you have the exact same taste. Right. But that one feeds the other feeds yeah the other. like we're we're two casting directors who work together really well in terms of like she might have like ideas and i'll have different ideas and then we combine our ideas and share that with producers and directors so you're getting uh, a wider maybe a wider viewpoint or you know but our ideas complement each other you know we don't ever go oh my god that sucks <laughs> you know, that stinks why would you think of that like we don't so it's do not that. like a true marriage but yeah it's, it's, it's not it's, like a true marriage uh, exactly <laughs> we go home to our separate <laughs> significant others at night <laughs> so yeah so on imdb right now you have 13 or so projects in various states of development right. and production um, and she has 19 
I'm assuming most of those you guys are working together. Yeah, I, I'm not sure why some of hers and mine aren't the yeah. same. To be honest with you, I don't know that it's I can't. Just IMDb. Uh, you know, so that's probably right an sometimes. error. Yeah. yeah, like there's probably I usually go in there and edit it uh-huh. and fix it when I see oh what this is not right and I'll <laughs> edit it so it comes out right. So that could be the only reason that they're. Well, just what I'm curious up. about is that's a lot of projects. That's a lot of things going on. <laughs> how are you guys? Oh, how are you guys? I wish they were all going. <laughs> okay, sure. Well, and, and that's, I mean, for the, for the most part, a lot of times actors only really have IMDb to figure out what's right. going on with the casting director. Right. So it seems like you guys are insanely busy. Yes. But what's the reality well, of the situation? Well, here's the situation on those. We have a lot of actual independent movies in different stages of development right now on our plate. So we there's some that we have offers out for the leads and as soon as the leads say yay, the movie goes into green light land. We have a couple, so we have a few of those. We have a couple more that um, we're helping trying to get leads where they're figuring out the financing mm-hmm. and maybe it's not all in place yet, but we are helping them to attach talent. So they're in different stages of development um, and we have a couple that are just about to go into pre-production, I think. Okay. So that's why, you know, so as soon as, and also when it's on IMDb and it seems to be a little bit more real. Now I have found like there are when I've searched to go out and talk to like a producer or director and I've searched and they'll go, oh, no, no, that, that's not going, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I have found that some of the information might be not quite um, it might be a little bit off or it's not quite happening right this moment. Yeah. But that's what it is right now. We have a lot of projects where we have leads. We have some offers out for probably right now. I don't know how many we have about four or five movies right now where the lead, we have offers out to different actors Mm -hmm. and we're waiting for them to say yes. Some of them have said yes. And so then I'm waiting for the producer and directors to just go, okay, this is... Green-lighted and then fill out the rest yeah. of the project. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. Um, so now I want to get into Happy Madison. Oh, yeah. You have worked with Happy Madison five times now. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, shame on you. That is Adam Sandler's company. <laughs> I love his movies. I, I know. He's they're, an amazing guy. They're just a lot of fun. They make you feel good. They're goofy. Uh, I've been watching him since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorites of the bunch is Grandma's Boy. Yeah, I, knew I you absolutely were love say Grandma's that. Boy. <laughs> um, it it hit me at a time when I was like fresh out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, r- well, and 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 on my way to L.A. And it stars Alan Covert, which is uh, Adam Sandler's like producing partner, right? And but has who, been but it, from the beginning, right? And he's also was an actor. Yeah, I mean, he's been an actor. He's been in, actor. yeah, he's been in like all like all yeah. of those guys are in these movies. Yeah. Um, but what I really love about this movie is the cast. Mm-hmm. The cast is incredible in this. Thank movie. you very much. Um, you've got Linda Cardellini, yeah. Kevin Nealon, Joel David Moore, Doris Roberts. Yeah, is Iconic. hilarious in this Iconic. movie. Shirley uh, Jones. Shirley Jones is so funny in this I know. movie. The Hysterical. things that she was Saying that she said and, in this movie doing. are is it's like Betty White. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Funny. Yeah. You got Nick Schwartz and Kelvin Yu who's killing it right yeah. now. Um and Jonah Hill. Yep. Um it, it's a legitimately underrated comedy. I love seeing Alan Covert do really great work and and run a movie as a lead. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love Alan. He's such a great guy, so. <laughs> and and this is one of Jonah Hill's first roles. Yes. I want to talk a little bit about that because you've talked a little bit about it in some other places, but I think it's a really interesting and a really pointed uh, thing that he came in and read for a different role. Right. So here's the, my Jonas Hill story. So I we were casting the movie, and he came in and read for the part that Joel David Moore got. So he was reading for the bad guy, mm-hmm. okay, um, or the antagonist of the movie, right? So he came in, but uh, Jonah is so funny, and he's so charming, and he's just, he was, we had a great conversation. I'll never forget. We sat there probably for 45 minutes and chatted. In the casting session? Yeah, me and him. We chatted, me and Jonah. <laughs> That's how often does that happen? No, but you see, that's part of me. 
Like you see, wow. I'll, I'll sometimes get into things with actors and I'll um, we'll go on stories and tangents. And, you know, per, when you when you're meeting actors, part of for me, how do you get to know them? You you talk to them. How do you see their personality? You ask them questions. You see what I mean? So that's part of what I enjoy and like to do. And um, he came in, we had a great conversation, he read, and I go, oh, he's not right for this. Oh my God, okay. So I called up Alan, who was producing the movie, and I said, Alan, I met this guy, he's amazing, he's super funny, you're gonna wanna put him in this movie, but he's not right for this part. And he said, okay, Lisa, bring him in. I said, okay, because I'm telling you right now, you're gonna wanna put him in this movie. So he said, okay, good, bring him in. You know, And he trusted me, so I brought him in, and he came in and he read for this part and he walked out, you know, and he was very charming and funny in the room. And he walked out and Alan goes to me and he turns to me and he goes, yep, you're right. And they wrote him a role. They wrote this other role and he got this. They so made that him role a, didn't exist before? I don't know if it existed or if there was a little part of a couple of lines yeah. that they turned into a bigger part. But it wasn't expanded like it was. Okay. You know what I yeah. mean? I can't remember. Because he's one of the main bunch of like yeah. the Yeah, and it might have been testers. a guy with a couple of lines, you know what I mean? Sure. And that's all it was. And then they expanded the part, and that's my wild Jonah Hill story. And Alan always says, Lisa London brought me Jonah Hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that happened too, like before 40-Year-Old Virgin had mm -hmm. come out, right? He'd done I Heart Huckabees, right? That was the movie he'd done, which had come out. But 40-Year-Old Virgin hadn't. So people which he had a small bit role in that. Yeah, but it was, with Catherine it, Keener. It was yeah. really funny. But it's he, a great little he, scene. Yeah, in that in that yeah. Goodwill shop or whatever Yeah, or the, her eBay shop yeah, where he's, he wants to buy the yeah. shoes with the fish in <laughs> yeah. them. And he's there at the shop. Yeah. Can't I just buy them? It's yeah. great. But, but he, um, yeah, this was one of his bigger, you know, parts besides that. And yeah. it had, that's like 40-year-old virgin had come out. And, you know, and I always feel like I said, when somebody goes on to have huge success in a career, I always go, oh, I feel like a proud mom. Like I had a hand in that, <laughs> I had a hand in that start, <laughs> you know? Which, yeah. yeah, you helped push them out of the tree. Yeah, I love that. Spread though. their wings. Um, so with, with Happy Madison, you also worked on Sandy Wexler, which is on uh, Netflix right now. Mm -hmm. You worked on Bucky Larson, Strange Wilderness, another movie I think is absolutely hilarious. Underrated, but a lot it of is, people didn't like it. It was pretty it's, crazy. It is it's, it's weirdly... batshit crazy in some places. <laughs> if, crazy, if we're being sure. frank, like there is, but Justin Long in that movie yep. is hilarious. Steve Zahn is yeah. another truly underrated actor out totally. there. I really love And Jonah, work. we put Jonah in. Yeah. Again. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the house bunny. Right. Um, so I think the house bunny is, uh, again, I think there are a lot of really underrated comedies that come out of Happy right. Madison. House bunny is one of them. Um, it star stars Anna Ferris and Colin Hanks, and then some really early performances from Emma Stone, mm -hmm. Kat Dennings, and Catherine McPhee. Right. Uh, it's another one where you start with a lot of actors who are really, really early in their careers that go on to do amazing work. Yeah. How much credence do you give to the idea that cream rises to the top in uh, this industry? I, I'm like 100% all about that. I really believe it. I mean, first of all, Emma Stone, that was one of her early movies, right? She, um, I don't think, I think she'd done Easy A or I think, but I don't think it had come it out. It hadn't come out yet. It hadn't come out yet. So, and the funny thing about Emma is, <laughs> it's kind of funny, we kept bringing Emma in on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. We cast The Sweet Life and Zack and Cody for three years. So we kept bringing her in for parts on that show and she couldn't get a job. And so for they just would never cast her, which is hysterical. And then they ended up, she got a voiceover on the show of one of, um, one of the characters' dogs. You know, they had this episode <laughs> where the dogs talked, you know. And so she ended up doing a voiceover on this thing. Yeah. Which I think is so funny. And then we put her in House Bunny. And, you know, she, look at her now, Academy Award winner. I mean, it's amazing, you know. And Kat Dennings, she'd done an, a couple of movies and stuff, but that was. Yeah, before. she had been around for a little while, but yeah. that, that was one of her first, like, 
but yeah, that was... Oh, that's Kat Dennings. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And then she went on to do a television series, you know, Two Broke Girls and that and became hugely successful. And then Catherine McPhee, I was a big American Idol fan. Ah. I loved so when they called me up and asked me to meet Catherine McPhee, I said, I'll meet Catherine McPhee because I love <laughs> Catherine McPhee. And Catherine came in and then I said, oh. You want to be in a movie? <laughs> I was like, I got a part for you. So we auditioned her, and that was her first movie. It's so funny. I just saw her on Broadway. I went to Broadway, oh, and nice. I saw her in Waitress, and um, I saw her, and, and I said, Oh my God. And she goes, Oh my God, Lisa. And I don't, she said, I don't think I have done a movie since. And I go, What? Okay, I'm going to find you another movie <laughs> to cast you in. You know, but she's had a huge, successful yeah, career doing well. television and being on Broadway. And stuff. Absolutely. But yes, I feel cream rises to the top because I'm, like I said, you know, I think they just had a 10-year anniversary for House Bunny. You know, Anna Ferris did a podcast about it with Kat Dennings, and there was a bunch of stuff on Twitter about it. And I was like, oh, my God. And it was totally true. It was one of those iconic female comedies. Yeah. You know? It has it has all of the the tones, and, and I think... Uh, I think she, Anna Ferris, really pulls off comedy brilliantly, uh, almost better than any. Yeah, she's a brilliant out there. female comedian. She is really, really. Yeah, I think she's, she's a, just a brilliant comedian. Yeah, I don't, she's I'm not even going to preface yeah, it with but, female. Yeah, but she's but like so that funny. movie. At that time, there weren't really a lot of female comedies. No, none. Mm-mm. No, like that was that was pre Tina Fey movie yep, era, absolutely, and Amy Poehler oh, and Bridesmaids and all yeah. those things. Yeah, I know. And that's one of the first ones. I know. I mean, there was the Hot Chick, I think, that came out like maybe a couple years before that. Yeah, with Rob Schneider. With Rob Schneider. Yeah. But. But yeah. Rob Schneider playing a girl. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I think that there's there's so many opportunities that that set forth and and really kind of started an era of that and again happy madison making that happen yeah um what is it like working with happy madison because it's it seems to be a really tight-knit group yeah absolutely it's a really fun experience is that you know adam's got a great team of people how involved is he how involved involved. is everyone he's very involved you know he's very involved in the casting and who you know when we were doing these movies like grandma's boy or house bunny or strange wilderness that he wasn't in he had definite looked at all the tapes and wanted to see who was going to be and helped contribute to who he liked and all of that stuff absolutely and when we did sandy wexler which he starred in it that was a wild movie. It had 150 parts in it. And it was it's like got a lot of parts. It's in it. like 150 because it had like 40 celebrity cameos. And well, and do you guys? I wanted I, I wanted to ask about that at the beginning of that movie. It is just cameo, cameo, yeah, yeah. cameo, it cameo. Was, you guys was are a, setting that up, casting we set them. That whole thing, like at, there was a lot of them saying, Adam saying, I want to get this guy, I want to get this guy, I want to do that, and then we'd reach out or and we'd say, okay, but the, I had a huge grid, like I had to keep a grid of when <laughs> all these celebrities were available and when they could work. It's a scheduling and, nightmare. It was, <laughs> and I was the conduit to the entire production, so this is where I say my whole background in production really helped me because when the assistant director would call me and say hey we want to use Henry Winkler on this day I'd go uh, you guys no he can't do it that day you have to schedule him on a b or c and they're like oh okay sorry okay back to you so I kept this huge grid of when they're available when they could <laughs> do it and all this stuff it was wild I mean it yeah. was a wild experience but it was so fun and um, Adam was very involved with every part even down to people who had one line and I, I loved it. It was a great experience. They're very appreciative and they're, they appreciate fun and good talent and love Alan. And it's just a really, um, I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 someday. Yes. Someday. Mm-hmm. Um, so another one, I want to go back in time mm-hmm. to Leprechaun. Oh, okay. Well. This is a movie I had never seen before uh, oh, until this it is hilarious <laughs> did you watch it i did watch it oh my god um <laughs> and this is you're gonna go ahead and tell me well it's written and directed by mark jones it stars yeah. warwick davis as the leprechaun right and a very 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 early jen aniston yeah um her she, first movie her first movie she right. had done some tv before right which she, what they did a uh 
a Ferris Bueller TV yeah. show. And I had she, no clue. Right, which she was in. Yeah. Right. Um, but I wasn't I wasn't allowed to watch scary movies as a kid. <laughs> it's not as scary as I thought it was going to be, right. which is great. But what I found really fascinating about this movie was how how much Jennifer Aniston is Jennifer Aniston in this movie. Yeah. How how from the very beginning of her career you see her really yeah. really coming out and yeah. so, so to me that says that that is her. There's no performance. It's just charm. It is her being present. Yeah. Um, it's her personality. Yeah. You know, for sure. And and I I think. You've said a little bit about the it factor, uh-huh. and um, I've heard in other conversations that you've had the idea of the it factor. Did she have that that early on? For sure, you could tell. Yeah, I mean, she was. You know, here's what I have to say about that it factor because it's not something you can study for. It's not. not I'm going to study to become a star. Uh-huh. It doesn't work that way. He, you know, you have to do be you show your personality do the best that you can do when you come in a room and she had just this charisma and this personality and she was perky and fun and you know that's the director was like yeah oh my god that's the girl (laughs) I was like yeah we know (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) and then funny enough after she did that we ended up putting her in a television show called The Edge which was a sketch comedy show before it's time that David Merkin produced and executive produced with Julie Brown how long did that run uh, two, I think one year or something like I'm that. Have to I check forgot. That out. Really funny. Wayne Knight, and it had all awesome. these great Tom Kenny and Jill Talley okay. and all these fun people in it. So, anyways, we did put her in that after Leprechaun. But I will say that um, on this it factor thing, I just want to emphasize that you know it's really about you doing the best work you can as an actor. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about, showing your personality, showing your charisma, studying, whatever that is for you. And then whether you become a star or not is really about the agreement of everybody else. Do you see what yeah. I mean? Like Lady Gaga, when she first started, was writing songs that other people were taking. And, you know, she came up with that whole persona mm-hmm. and then became this huge phenomena. And I'm sure she's going to get nominated for an Academy Award because her performance is brilliant and a star is born uh-huh. but i'm just saying you're not studying for that it just happens yeah so the it factor you know athletes have it you think about the michael jordans and different Absolutely. athletes there's singers who have it you know what i mean basketball players tom brady has it football player you know you're not studying for that mm-hmm it's just who you are, and it occurs. Well, but, but what's interesting to me is uh, throughout your career, mm-hmm. you've come across a lot of those people who yeah. have that it factor. Yeah. Um, and I know it's really, really hard to nail down what that is because it isn't one thing. It's a mm-hmm. lot of different things. It's it's the individual right. for the most part. But I want to try. Oh, good. Okay. Well, let's see. <laughs> to... <laughs> Talk about some of the characteristics mm-hmm. that these that some of these people share. Mm-hmm. That the Jonah Hills and Emma Stones mm-hmm. and Anna Ferris and mm-hmm. and Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that they share as traits that you think may contribute to that? You know, I think if I look at that and they're what I would say is it's something to do with their personality, I would call it, their charisma, their charm. I I want to say their sort of je ne sais quoi. You know, it's that inner life and their inner sort of passion and their inner their soul, if I'm, I'm going to use that word, to just create and let that, not their chemistry, but let that personality shine through of who they are. And letting that out, just and showing that, that to other people. And it might not be the exact same, like, you know what I mean? Sure, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. But they all have that sort of inner fire, you know? Yeah. 
that's what I look at. I mean, Adam's a brilliant comedian. Anna's a brilliant comedian, you know, and she's, a ta- they're all talented actors. Jonah's amazing, funny, but he's talented. Jennifer, all of them. Mm-hmm. Emma, brilliant, you know, and they have an ability to take on a character and just go with it, you know? But I'm sure you see a lot of actors who are really talented actors yeah. that don't necessarily have that, I don't know what, that... that True, that is true. You, They might not have that fire or that it factor or whatever, but it doesn't mean they're not good actors. And it doesn't mean that they don't have success. I'm glad you say that. Because you know what I mean? Because there is, it's not all that. No. Because there's there, how many superstars are there? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Same, and that's why I put in athletes. Because when you look at Tom Brady, he's amazing. He's one of the best quarterbacks we have. But how many of those are there? Yeah, you know, and but, you still uh, need ten other people uh, out there on the field uh, uh, to make totally. him work. Uh, absolutely, and his team. And you know, you look at other actors and other. There, you don't. You can still be a great actor. You can still have a hugely successful career. And you can still do great work. And you can still have a lot of success. And you don't have to be a superstar. That's great. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm really glad you say that. Yeah. Um, so to wrap all this up, I think we'll wrap it up with that because it's just a beautiful sentiment that <laughs> I don't think people out here hear enough. Right. Um, where can people find out more? Because I know you teach right uh, all across the U.S. Right, uh, you've got this book right. that people need to buy and read, <laughs> which is on Amazon. It's on Amazon. <laughs> um, where can people find out more about you and what it is that you do? And where can they find out when you're going to be places for these acting? Oh, for the classes. For the teaching. Yeah, the classes. Um, usually, I post them on my From Start to Stardom website, which is just from startostardom.com. Okay. So that's usually uh, where I post them. Besides my Instagram, my Twitter account, which I don't know. We'll if link I need, to those yeah, too. We'll Absolutely. Link to those. Yeah. And that's usually where um, I post them. I'm updating my From Start to Stardom site, but. You know, I have a lot of actor tips and blogs on there, which they can go to. And I also, on my London Stroud casting, I think there's a, you know, people email me. Okay. (laughs) You know. If people want to follow you on social media, where are they going to find you? Oh, on Twitter, I'm at LLondonCasting. Okay. And on uh, Instagram, I'm LisaLondonCasting. Okay. It just has to do with what would fit <laughs> <laughs> at the time when I did it. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. I'm always going, how did that guy, he got 25,000 followers, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it sounded like an actor. <laughs> I guess that we're all building our social media. Everybody's got a brand now. Yeah, That's it's the so case. funny. Anyways, yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out to sit down with us today and to let me dig through your life and your oh, career. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. Been a lot of fun. Charlie, it was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Placing Faces. Do not forget to like, comment, subscribe, love heart, thumbs up, and share this episode. If you do, I promise I'll make another one. Thank you, thank you, thank you to super producer Maria Perry. I'm also going to put it out there again. The movie The Kid is now on DVD, Blu-ray, and those fancy streaming services. I think you might like it. Actually, I don't know. I don't know you or what you like, but maybe you'll like this. Placing Faces is powered by Collaborator.com, a media production service connecting media professionals to companies, brands, and agencies, allowing you to scale your production based on your needs. Also have to thank the Casting Society of America, a hub of information when it comes to this branch of the film industry. To learn more about the society and what it takes to get into casting, you can visit castingsociety.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, be well.